a lot of dreams, most dreams die on the second step. Just figure out the first step and know that that's all you need to know. And sometimes the path will appear as you move down it, but taking the first step, like you don't need to know everything. You, you haven't, you haven't given up anything in your life. You haven't made anything any more difficult by just taking one, one small step. Welcome to Remodel Your Life. We are shining the light on women working in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female cabinet maker in California in bringing together kitchen remodeling and working with your hands for a living. Welcome your host, Camille Finan. I'm Camille Finan, and with me today is Lisa Michaud, a life coach that helps women transform their lives into something better. This is part one in a series that shows two different approaches to getting help when you want something more out of life. And I specifically planned these two episodes up front in the show because I wanted to highlight how important I really think it is to get help when making big changes in life. I so wish I had asked for help sooner during some of my big life transitions. So I'm super curious today about how she helps women and what exactly she does. So let's go to the show. Hey, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Today, dear listeners, we have Lisa Michaud on, who is a life coach, and she's going to be talking a little bit about, you know, her job and what she does for a living. So Lisa, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, Camille, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So I'd love to have you just start off by explaining what is a life coach? <laughs> um, I have sort of my own theories of what I think it is, but I've never hired a life coach. It's been a buzzword for a decade, probably. And as a carpenter, obviously, it'd be a kind of a weird thing for me to hire. But a lot of our listeners are in various states of transition. With transitions in life, sometimes you need someone to help you make that leap. And so I'm kind of thinking that's what a life coach does, but I don't exactly know. So if you could explain what you do day to day and where you come from. I think there is a lot of misconceptions, even jokes and negative connotations sometimes to life coach. So I actually prefer to call myself a success coach because I believe that's what we do is we help people find success on, on their own terms. Hmm. One of the biggest ways that I do that is by really allowing the person that I'm working with to be their own best expert. You know, it's really incredible. We spend so much time reading things like, you know, top 10 productivity tips and um, seven ways to get more done in a day or five ways to be happy. And a lot of the times we don't ever listen to ourselves and recognize what we already know. And so any good coach goes into a coaching relationship knowing that the person that they're working with is actually their own best expert. And it's my job and any great coach's job to help pull that out and bring the best version of that person out to this life to create the best life for themselves. Hmm. And so where do you do that? At? Where do you live? And sort of does that influence how you are as a life coach, as a success coach? Oh, great question. So I live in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I had my first coaching experience as a coachee when I worked in Fort McMurray. I worked in the oil sands and I had an executive coach there in my corporate role. 
And that was my first exposure to this whole world of coaching. Like I didn't really know what I could and couldn't ask my coach, how he was even going to help me. And I definitely have taken that experience and draw from it in my work that I do now. But a lot of my clients come from all around Canada and the U.S. so far. I've got a couple clients. Just actually yesterday, I was speaking with someone in Houston, had someone uh, work with people in Reno, California, and then all across Canada. So the cool thing about my job and the work that I do is that I can actually do it remotely. And it saves everybody travel time, travel hassle, parking. And a lot of people really enjoy the ability to get really comfortable and private when they're having these conversations. We do things over Skype, FaceTime, and sometimes it's just over the phone, which really gives people full privacy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's really unique about the coaching industry is that it really can happen anywhere and with with anybody that you find a great connection with. Because that's at the end of the day, that's what you really want is not necessarily the best coach, but the coach is going to bring out the best in you. Hmm. How did you get started in this? You mentioned that you worked in the oil sand field, I think you said, <laughs> the oil yeah. business. Uh, like, what were you doing in that business? <laughs> I have had a lot of transitions myself. I have a degree, an undergrad, double major in accounting and finance. And then I pretty quickly realized I never wanted to do either of those things. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds just like me. I have a, well, I'm still kind of doing marketing, but yeah, I have a double major and an MBA. <laughs> in marketing and business development, which I, you know, I've been self-employed my whole life. So I have sort of used it, but I didn't really, I kind of knew how to do most of that stuff before college, but yeah, it's kind of the same thing. And then I became a carpenter. So <laughs> yeah. I love that. No, no education is ever wasted, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. In some direction, but yeah, I definitely was not ready to be an accountant. That's a um, long way from a life coach. <laughs> I've taken a lot of the classes you've probably taken. Yeah. Accounting and finance. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, funny because now coming full circle, a lot of my clients have been accountants. But in my first job out of university was HR and I worked in recruitment, onboarding and training. Hmm. Then I worked in another division of HR, which was analytics and planning and projects. I worked on relocation, succession planning, performance management and huge reorgs, like 5,000 people reorgs. Wow. One of the last relocation projects that I did, my job ended up getting relocated as well and I wasn't ready to move. That was actually a really pivotal point for me. I remember chatting with my mentor and being super stuck. I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm an HR person. That's what I do. That's what I love. Mm -hmm. How do I do anything else? And he encouraged me, and this is advice that I love sharing and want to share, and I think everyone should know, but he encouraged me to focus not on the topic of the work, but instead on the type of work that I enjoy doing. Hmm. So instead of looking at it from, you know, I enjoy HR topic, thinking about, well, I actually enjoy working with people face to face, or right. I enjoy project work versus firefighting work, or I enjoy analytical work versus, you know, people-based work or whatever those things are. Yeah. And all of a sudden, when I looked at jobs through that lens and where my career could go through that lens, it opened up this whole world of opportunity. You know, suddenly I could look at jobs, some jobs in finance and be interested in them. Some jobs in supply chain would really fascinate me. And I ended up then moving into a role in learning and development and in training and the safety world because it was project-based. It was involved working with a lot of people, which I really enjoyed. 
and was also strategic, which which was something that I was really passionate about. So that kind of opened that door for me. And then a few years later, I moved into continuous improvement, which was another jump. It was actually a role that they wanted someone with eight years of engineering experience to go into. And here I was coming from HR. <laughs> yeah. And I remember when continuous improvement came out, that was like a big thing, right? I remember yeah. that whole thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so I worked in continuous improvement for about two years, and then I had a health scare, and mm. I faced the reality that I might only have a year or two left to live. What? Oh, and man. I met with my husband that night and mm. just asking, you know, what do you want to do from here? What are we going to do? And he just looked at me and said, what do you want to do? Right. And the first thing that came to my mind was move to Vancouver. Hmm. And I don't even really know where that came from. It, I haven't fully figured out the purpose of it. But what that made me realize was that there was all these things in my life that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. that I was waiting literally for someone to say, Lisa, you're going to die before I started to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Waiting for that permission. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really lucky. Um, I'm healthy. It was just a scare, but it was a scare that really made me start thinking. Mm-hmm. And so from there, uh, in the next several months, my husband and I both ended up, we sold both of our homes. We sold a lot of stuff. We sold cars. He quit his job. I quit my job and we moved to downtown Vancouver. Wow. That's a yeah. big, that's talk about remodel your life. <laughs> yeah. The name of the show. That's a big, that's a lot of remodeling right there. It yeah. was yeah. like 3000 square feet in a triple car garage to yeah. a condo. Wow. A big shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as soon after we kind of settled, I started looking for jobs and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm doing it again. I, I the reason why I did my accounting and finance double major was not because I ever wanted to be an accountant, but it was because I knew I wanted to have my own business and wanted to understand the money side of things. Mm. Yeah. Here I was again, pushing off this whole business thing. Yeah. So, you know, one day when I had, you know, X amount of money or after I was retired or after I had kids or whatever that arbitrary deadline I put on myself. And so I just thought, you know what, today's the day I, I never know what's going to happen. I'm just going to start my business now. And so I remembered how amazing and influential my coach was to me. And I wanted to, to do that for other people. So I started my business. I work one-on-one with people. I also do a lot of public speaking at events, workshops, keynotes, and then I also do group programs. And it's such a fun way and rewarding way for me to really help change people's lives. Like my coach helped change mine. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's, that's a big leap and a big transition. How long did it roughly take you? I mean, like five years, two years, like from when you kind of one sort, year, like <laughs> one year. Yeah, wow. Here to like, I, I should also say we also went to Thailand in there because we had the guidebooks and we kept putting it off. So mm. we did the thing and we quit our jobs. Um, and I started my business in about, a, it was about a year. Wow. Okay. So you must have had some savings. You must have been financially stable enough to be able to do that though. Correct. Cause you know, as you know, and probably a lot of your clients, you can't always do the things you want to do because of finances or because of the spouse you're with, or because of some other constraint on your life. And you can't always do what you want to do. Once you get that motivation, your life must have been a little bit prepared to do that. Is that correct? Or was it just you ate top ramen and, <laughs> and, and just didn't care about that part of it. You know, I want to say yes and no, because I think I had you asked me a day before that scare, if we would ever live in Vancouver and if I would ever start a business, 
I would have had a whole list of reasons why we couldn't. Mm. Yes, we had some finances, but I mean, here's the thing. You can always come up with excuses why you can't. You can always yeah. uh, hedonistic treadmill, right? Like, we, yes, maybe we had more money than other people, but trust me, like our goals probably were higher than maybe some other people. And likewise for others who might be more scared than us, who may have had more financial security, their goals might be bigger than ours were. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy to get into a trap of, I don't have enough money or my spouse isn't supportive enough or now isn't the right time. And there's a lot of power to just saying, asking how is it possible instead of listing reasons why it's not. Right. That leads me to just a, a little bit of a side note, which is, so clearly you're married because we didn't, yeah. I didn't ask you that, but I guess you're married. And so your spouse clearly supports what you're doing. Yes. And, and I think that's a big part of it though. Wouldn't you agree? There's a, I mean, I've had many, I've been married for a long time now, but my husband and I have had many, many years where we were not on the same page and he did not want to be married to someone that was self-employed. And you know, it can be very stressful and a lot of ups and downs. How do you manage that with a spouse or is he just really, really great and, <laughs> and supports everything that you've done? But a lot of people don't have that. I think the spouse part of it is another aspect of owning your own business that people don't really talk about. There's a lot of interpersonal things I think that happen being a woman when you're self-employed. You know, I'm so glad you brought this up because it's, it's so true. It's something we don't talk about and yet is really important. Anytime you're in a, a relationship where you're committed, there's two of you in the game. Yeah. Right. And that's to have a great relationship and a great life and a great business. You really need to, to work together on that. My husband is great and super supportive, but that doesn't mean there haven't been really important conversations and challenging conversations that we've had to have along the way. And one of the things I remember hearing in when I first got started was a lot of men and men that love us, they want to protect us. And so if we go to them, you know, scared about something or nervous about something, they pick up on that and they want to protect us from that. Like they want, they don't want us to be in harm's way. And so I know a lot of women that, you know, might go and talk to their men about starting a business or, you know, challenges they're having their business and they sound, you know, scared or nervous. Naturally, the men might might try and protect us and hold us back from that and, you know, say, oh, maybe now isn't the right time. This just, this isn't working or this is why we can't do it. But I found that when I go into a conversation with him from a place of excitement and from a place of like purpose and confidence, I don't trigger that same like desire to protect. Mm -hmm. Instead, I get the really supportive partner and the partner that wants to see me grow and knows that I'm at my best when I'm creative and I'm productive and I'm doing cool things in the world. Right. That energy shift has been a real thing that I've been conscious of going into those conversations from a place of excitement and confidence versus nervousness and anxiousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably true. I've probably done that many times <laughs> but, and I have a very specific kind of business. So uh, it's inherently, it's got a lot of things in it that are inherently scary and have a lot of things that are difficult for guys to understand, I think. But yeah, well, I, I agree with you that I think there are a lot of things that are scary. Absolutely. But it's coming from a place of like seeing it as the scary hurdle that you can't overcome versus this is an exciting challenge and I get to learn and I get to grow and figure this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Are most of your clients married, would you say, or in a pretty committed relationship? 
Yeah, most of them are in committed relationships, yes. Mm-hmm. Most of them seem to be in that age group kind of between 25 to 40. I've had a few on either end, but most are in that age range where people are in committed relationships. Right. And so what what is a typical life, I'm just going to call life coach because it's a little bit easier to say than success sure. coach, but what's the range of services that you sort of help people with? I build cabinets, so it's it's easy yeah. to tell what I do. Can you kind of describe what you would do outside of like the speaking gigs and stuff like that? I want to just start by saying that a lot of people call themselves coaches these days and they, it comes in a lot of different shapes and forms and specialties and skill sets. So I'll speak to mine, but know that there is a bit of a variety out there. For me, I like to work with people longer term because I feel like that's where the real change happens. It takes time. I work with my clients on four-month basises where we connect three times a month for an hour. And each time when we get off a call, it's up to the client to decide on the homework that they're going to do. They set the pace. They decide. Some weeks, it's in the client's best interest to just be like, I'm going to get eight hours of sleep every night and that's going to be a big enough challenge for me. And other times people come out and they've got lists of 10 things to do and they crush them all by two days later and they're ready for more. And so it's really guided by the person's pace and what they want to do. How we usually start the relationship is by sitting down. I love to do a really in-depth session with the person to figure out where are their values. What do they really want to accomplish in their life? What's the purpose? What are their goals? Where are we going? And then use that as the lens for everything we do together over the next four months or if they renew eight months or 12 months. So it's really about helping that person live the most fulfilled life that they can depending on on where they are and what that definition is. So as an example, you know, I've worked with entrepreneurs, some who are just starting out, some that are a year or two in and looking to grow and, and go further. I've worked with professionals who are also having a side hustle and trying to figure out, do they want to work on the corporate ladder? Do they want to follow their business more? They're not really sure what direction to go in and what that would look like either way. So I work with them uh, on that. I've worked with other clients who are just getting ready to start up a business. I've worked with other people who are getting ready to retire and figuring out what that transition looks like. So there's a pretty big range in terms of what we can do. Why work with a coach? Like what do clients get working with me versus just doing this on their own? How often do you get to talk to somebody that just listens to you? There's been studies that show literally just talking to a wall for an hour would be way more productive sometimes than talking to a friend just because it gives you time to clear and think and talk it out. So that's a really budget way. If you ever need a coach, you can just talk to (laughs) That's funny. I'm totally going to do that. (laughs) That's definitely cheaper than therapy. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, it's a starting point, right? Even just the idea of somebody listening to you and being solely focused on you is pretty revolutionary in this day and age. What I help people do is listen for what they're saying, listen to what they're not saying, and listen for the voice of doubt or fear and those things that are coming up in them that are they're often holding as true, like beliefs that aren't serving them anymore, and helping them identify that and move forward through those. Hmm. So it basically covers a range of not just helping someone change from one career to another career, but also... It could be their their personal relationships. It could be they want to move. So they're coming to you because they're unhappy about something, I would assume, right? And something's not sitting well. Is that correct? Oh, they, they want more. 
They know that it's possible to have more. They know that they're in control of their happiness and they're just not always sure where to start. And so how do you take them through that process? Are there little scenarios that you're doing with them? How are you actually guiding them along that journey? Oh, it's lots of questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I definitely have some personalized tools that I share with people when they're appropriate. You know, as an example, like if someone comes in and is just really stressed about time, time is something they can't get a handle on. They feel like they never have any time, which is really common with entrepreneurs, especially people that have professional jobs and entrepreneurship, uh, parents, a uh, really, really common thing in this day and age. So I actually take them through an exercise for a week where they track their time for a whole week. And then we sit back and look at it and figure out, okay, like, what time is happy time? What time is needs to change and go from there. Um, but a lot of it, you know, clients come to a call, they'll come either with a specific challenge that they're facing or some issue that they want coaching on. And it's an exploration. Like it's really the, you know, the best way to understand coaching is to experience it, which is why I offered complimentary discovery calls. And most coaches do because it's a chance to kind of play with it because it's hard to describe. There's lots of questions, lots of exploration. Sometimes we use actual body movement and that helps us access different parts of our intelligence and different parts of our brain than if we were just sitting here and, and analyzing things. Mm -hmm. Coaching is like a whole other way of looking at and of experiencing and solving a problem. And in fact, I, I think mm. it's actually not just solving a problem, it's actually transformative. And so how is your process or style maybe different from another life coach? Is there, are there stylistic differences between coaches, would you say? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, coaching, I think the industry is having a bit of a, a challenge as well, because, you know, technically anybody can call themselves a coach. I have actually been trained from CTI, Coaches Training Institute, which is the biggest coach training school in the world. And they're basically the pioneers of professional coaches. And I am also a member of the ICF, which is the International Coaching Federation. And there's a certain standard of ethics and code of conduct that I adhere to. Other people sometimes do just call themselves, you know, coaches and they're not always a part of ICF. They haven't always been trained from any coach school, let alone, you know, one that is ICF accredited. And so there, there is a bit of a broad range there. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been trained from, like I mentioned, CTI, and I've also done a real-time coaching course as well. And I draw, you know, from my experience professionally as well, I, I always work with each client to figure out what it is that they're looking for. And one of the things that I really pride myself on is having an open relationship. And the first couple of times we have a coaching session, you know, I check in like, how is this working for you? What do you need more of? What do you need less of? It needs to be personal. And that's the benefit of having a coach. It's someone there to dynamically work with you and pull out the best of you. And to do that, it's got to be a really open relationship and open conversation. So you mentioned CTI. Can you tell us a little bit more about going to life coach school at CTI and why that makes you more credible or just it's more rigorous, it sounds like, more like an actual college environment compared to just me giving my girlfriend advice, right? Can you describe a little bit more about why that you feel that really makes you more qualified? Yeah. One of the things that you just said kind of hit the nail on the head. That's the foundation of coaching. We are trained to listen and we're trained to listen, not to respond, which is the usual way. You know, 
like for example, Camille, if you said, Hey, uh, you know, we're heading to Hawaii next week. Usually it's like, Oh, I've always wanted to go. Or, Oh, I was just there. Where are you staying? And, and when we're having a conversation with people, we're often listening to respond. Whereas one of the fundamental things, the first part of the course that CTI offers is about listening and listening at a level where you're listening to serve the other person, not just to respond. Hmm. So you would say that it's much more rigorous. Is there 50 hours, 80 hours? What makes it the best coaching school in the country? You know, or I not the best. Clearly you went there for a reason. Yes, I did. And you know, many of the coaches that I knew personally all recommended CTI. It's kind of the standard, but there are others that I have heard wonderful things about too. But what makes CTI unique and what, what makes it different than just someone who put the word coach on their business card is I took five three-day courses uh, live and in person. And these are chances where, you know, we're not just reading textbooks. We're not just learning about the theory behind it, but we're actually doing experiential work. Sometimes it's coaching in pairs. Sometimes it's coaching in triads where there's an observer to get feedback. Sometimes it's doing group coaching as a, as a whole class where someone will be getting coached at the front and we'll take turns coaching them. The classes are led by world-class coaches. So you're getting that feedback in real time about, hey, why don't you try this? Or this is what I might've done differently. Or that was really powerful, keep doing that. So five of those courses happen throughout the year for three days each where you're live in person and learning. And then I've also been a part of the certification program, which is another eight month program where you're connecting every week. One week is connecting to learn a very specific theoretical piece. And the, uh, the other week is doing more practice coaching with feedback from professionals and colleagues. And in addition to that, we get to work with supervisors who actually listen to our coaching calls and give us feedback based on that call. It sounds very intense, actually, emotionally intense for you probably as well. Yeah, for me, I'm really passionate. I want to be the best coach I can be. I really believe in professional integrity. And, but as soon as I realized what an impact the coaching was making when I was a more powerful coach, oh, that, that's when the emotional side really hit because I realized that this is how I can really make a huge impact for people is by being the best coach I can be for them. Mm -hmm. I can see that. listening this far, we're going to take a quick break and I'm going to tell you about a product I just love that helps support this show. Hey guys, so I'm back again um, and I'm here diving into my latest Blue Apron box and I'm opening it up and just, you know, so excited again because it's Wednesday and I get to get new recipes again. And I'm just thinking some more of the reasons why I absolutely love it. There's just so many reasons that I like Blue Apron and I've been using them for probably about four years now. I've been cooking with Blue Apron and it has really transformed the way that I cook. I love how easy it is to turn it on and off whenever you want, just with the app. They won't keep charging you when you pause it. You can turn it right back on again. I've done that many weeks when we're out of town or I had family coming in and I wasn't going to be able to do the Blue Apron thing because I had to cook like for 12 people, all the same thing. And I just turn it right back on and it's so easy. And the money we save is like off the hook. We used to go to the grocery store every single day or every couple days, both my husband and I, we would both overbuy stuff. We'd waste a bunch of food. And instead now we just spend our basic weekly budget and we save hundreds of dollars a month. 
I also like that every single recipe is supposed to be between 500 and 700 calories, but the portions are really generous. So even though they're really low calorie and extremely flavorful, they're very generous on the portions. And like if my husband's gone, I can actually easily eat for a week with just one box by myself. There's actually no waste. You get exactly the proportions you need. You know, you get two carrots for that recipe or one head of broccoli or three potatoes. And before we used to shop way too often and all the time and all the food was wasted or we would eat out a lot because we were tired and didn't want to cook that night. So I would estimate we were saving thousands of dollars every year in food expense and just not buying stuff when we're walking around the grocery store hungry and tired and irritated. So those are some of the things that Blue Apron has done for me. And basically they've taken all the hassle out of it, all the extra expense, all the wasted food, and they basically streamlined it down to the absolute best parts of cooking that I love. Great food, really interesting recipes, no food waste, super inexpensive, and I get to open this beautiful little package every single Wednesday. That's why I personally love Blue Apron. And I have for four and a half years. So if you want to experience the best parts of cooking along with me, Blue Apron style, just head over to remodelyourlifepodcast.com forward slash Blue Apron, and you can get $30 off your first week by using our link. And a portion of your purchases will really help support the show. And I thank you so much for considering it. And I look forward to seeing what you are cooking. What are some of the challenges that come up with having a coach? Do clients self-sabotage because things start to get really uncomfortable? It's always hard to make a big transition. And there's sort of a point, every transition I've ever made, where, okay, this shit is about to get real. Like, I'm gonna have to get way out of my comfort zone to actually make this thing happen. I could see how, like, with a coach, they might be even pushing you a little bit more than you'd be comfortable with. Do you ever see clients starting and then backing away or missing appointments or sort of self-sabotaging or what are the challenges and sort of pitfalls that come with really trying to change your life in a significant way? Oh, that's such a good question. The biggest challenges definitely is our saboteur and the saboteur ego. It's the part of our brain that from evolution helped keep us safe and helped us run no need to run from saber tooth tigers and all like just keep us safe in those, in that sense. Definitely when you're making a big transition, that voice tries to keep you safe because status quo is safe. Whether it is big or small, the change that voice comes in and that voice can be a lot of different things. It can be aggressive. Who do you think you are trying to do this? Or it'll never work. Or you can't do it. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not, you're not worthy of it. And it can also be more passive. Why aren't you just happy with what you have? Don't you have enough? Don't you have a good enough life? Aren't you happy enough? Or you should be happier with what you have? Or, you know, you've worked so hard, you know, you may as well just coast through the rest of the year, the rest of your life. And none of those messages are inherently good or bad. What the test is, is whether they're serving the person in that transition or not. 
And that's why it's really hard to watch a TED Talk or read a top 10 list of ways to change your life because not all advice applies to all people. That's where, as a coach, I have to work with my clients and even train them to ask themselves and understand whether the voice and that, that message that they're getting is a saboteur, something that's not serving them, or whether it's a value and something that's actually true for them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I could see I could see that being a lot of the process, sort of getting over those little voices and getting your mindset correctly so that you're able to make those sort of leaps of confidence, right? You're sort of leaping before you know it's gonna work. And um and it's it sounds like it's really helpful to have like a friend basically in your back pocket who can kind of go, no, you're okay, right? You're actually okay. Nothing bad's actually happening to you. You can do it. No, you're actually okay. You're not on fire. Um, you can do it. And really asking the question that your friends don't ask, is that true? Are you on fire? Mm-hmm. Friends are either going to try and put you out or run away. Mm-hmm. That's so, true. Put you out, run away. I like that. A lot of times it comes down to deep-seated beliefs from one time that we fail at something or a comment that someone made to us or things like that that end up sticking with us through our lives and might serve us for a long time, but at a certain point, probably don't. And that's where it's really helpful to have a coach to help you decipher through which things are working and which things are not. And how do I get as many things that are going to work to push me towards where I want to be in my life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this show specifically is about how to remodel your life, how to go from something to something else, how to create a new foundation, build some new structure, some new something, right? Whatever that is. I've probably done, I don't know, feels like 12 <laughs> transitions, maybe more than 10. I'd say more than 10, uh, pretty significant transitions. I mean, how old are you and how many do you think you've made already in your life? Like how many times you've kind of remodeled your life? Oh man, I'm 30 and I think I've had probably 10, mm -hmm. 10 big remodels in my life. Yeah. 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 And one thing I was thinking of is how is having a life coach or just a coach different than like therapy? Because uh -huh. it almost seems like this is better than therapy on some levels. It just seems like it's sort of a little bit like therapy, but it's more action oriented. Is that, yes. I mean, how would you, I don't know if you've ever been to therapy, but you know, most women that have reached 30 have been at some point, <laughs> but, uh, and then there's good therapists and bad therapists, of course. So, you know, good therapy is, is wonderful, but I mean, it almost seems like a life coach is like a therapist, but it's more ambitious or maybe more tied to truly taking action. Is that correct? Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head for sure. So especially with, you know, CTI, they have what's called the co-active model. And the co is the part of you that's the being part. And that's really important. You know, who are you being in this life? And then the active is what are you doing? Like, what do you take? How are you taking action on it? And so with all the work that I do in my coaching, it focuses on both of those things. Who are you being and what are you doing? Like, what action are you taking? One of the best metaphors I heard to this, you know, the difference between a therapist, a coach, and, and a consulting, because sometimes that those mm -hmm. lines get blurred too. So, a, let's say you're learning to ride a bike, a therapist is going to ask you about your associations with the bike. What do you? How do you feel about the bike? What do you think about the bike? Um, 
like what what stories have you heard about the bike? What's going on for you when you when you get on the bike? A consultant is going to write a manual for you about how to ride the bike. You know, this is step one. You take the kickstand off. Step two, you step on, and et cetera, et cetera. And a coach is there right beside you running as you're learning to ride it. Oh, nice. I like that metaphor. Yeah. So the coach is there running beside you as Mm. you ride it. So, you know, we're not telling you how to ride it. We're not, you know, just asking you about your feelings about it. We're actually doing it and we're right there beside you. You know, we're checking in like, all right, like this is great. We're cheerleading you along the way. We're checking in. We are holding you accountable. Like you can't get get, the consultant walked away. They don't even know if you've tried to ride the bike. Uh, the therapist never got you to even on the bike. The coach is there making sure you're on it and that you're keeping going. Wow. Okay. That's a really good metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> the next time I hear somebody complaining about something they're not happy about, I'll now be able to say, you need a life coach. <laughs> <laughs> they can help you take action on that right? and get to the next level. Yeah. So actually that brings up another little thought I was thinking, cause you know, we're women, so we, we have girlfriends and stuff and you might just, because you have a certain kind of group of girlfriends, but I find that I know a lot of women who basically feel very, very stuck and whether they want to take action or not, I don't know, but they basically don't take action with their, in their personal lives and their personal relationships, their jobs, their kids or whatever. And has that been your experience as well? Or, or is that just all your friends are super (laughs) great and moving forward? And I don't know. I just, I find, I know a lot of women that are really, really stuck and, uh, just kind of internalize everything and basically don't move forward based on a lot of fear would be my guess. But yeah, I'm fairly fortunate in that the group of friends that I have and that I've chosen is, is one that does generally take action. We try and help each other when we've been complaining about something for too long, like it's time to make a change. Uh, that being said, I, I do know a lot of people that are stuck and can't seem to break free, which is why I think coaching exists. And unfortunately, those aren't necessarily the people, the first people that go to coaches. A lot of times it's the proactive people that end up working with coaches, which is, you know, great as, as far as, you know, I want to work with people that want to get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of people that are still stuck and there is fear. And I, you know, I face that even when I have discovery calls with people and I can tell that they're really nervous about even signing up with a coach and all those fears come up there. Like, what if this doesn't work? Like, what if I've wasted my money? What if this doesn't do anything better? Like, why am I, why am I even bothering all those same things that keep them stuck in one way can keep them stuck in another way too. Mm -hmm. Um, when hiring a coach. So it's really interesting. Sometimes I have people that come back several months later or even, you know, it's been up to a year later of, okay, now I'm actually ready. Now I'm in a place where I can make this change. Yeah. I was actually going to see, do you have, you know, tips or just, you know, small little exercise or something where someone is feeling a lot of fear around something or insecurity or anxiety. Do you have any tips for how to basically get over that fear of just taking some small action? I just find that a lot of women are really, they just have a lot of fears and anxieties and they don't really know how to get started. I mean, do you have any little things that you do or any little tips to try to kind of get you out of that cycle of fear? 
You know, one of the things I heard from another coach, she said a lot of dreams, most dreams die on the second step. You know, most people kind of picture what the first step is to, to doing something new, uh, whether, you know, maybe it's trying to get a new job. You know, you could probably guess that the first step is doing an online search, right? Mm-hmm. You might even know that the second step is like applying or whatever, but you may not know, okay, so what does it look like to actually, you know, maybe move to a different city or what? how do I even interview for this job or maybe I need to get this education first and how do I quit this job or how do I have that conversation with my boss or my partner or whoever it is. And so you can see that's where the fear comes in because it's this unknown, right? I think one of the best pieces of advice that I can give people is to just figure out the first step and know that that's all you need to know. And sometimes the path will appear as you move down it, but taking the first step, like you don't need to know everything. You, you haven't, you haven't given up anything in your life. You haven't made anything any more difficult by just taking one, one small step. And it's amazing when you take the first step and then just reevaluate just like you did. Okay. What might be a good next step and taking it sometimes as small steps as opposed to like giant leaps can sometimes make things a lot easier for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I kind of have made lots of, you know, fairly big transitions by just doing whatever small thing I can do that day and not really worrying about the bigger overall thing. Like, cause if I look at that, I'm like, oh my God, there's no fucking way I'm going to make that happen. Right. So it basically is self-sabotaging myself by thinking about how big it is. Right. And so I have done that many, many times kind of psyching myself out by, you know, just thinking of what's the absolute smallest thing I can do today. Read that article, read that book, ask for that referral whatever that little thing is, you can get a lot done over time by doing small bits and pieces towards your goal. And it, for me, it's definitely, it's reduced the amount of overall fear because it's like wading into a a large pool, right? And I'm just taking one little step at a time. So that's definitely worked for me. So I, I can see that just doing the first thing and not worrying about every other thing that goes along with it. And this is where working with a coach you can actually help figure this out because everyone's a little bit different, right? Some people actually do really well when they've taken a massive step and they can't go back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like people, that's what it takes to make a transition. Mm-hmm. And so it's sometimes it's about asking yourself and figuring out, you know, what's my style, what's going to work for me and recognizing both the strengths that you have and the limitations that you have. For some people, if they don't take a big step, they just end up, puddling around in little steps forever and not actually doing mm-hmm. anything. Whereas for other people, they, they just couldn't take a giant leap. So it's, it's a little bit about knowing yourself and what your style is. And, you know, worst case scenario, you try one and if it hasn't gotten anywhere in a few months, try, try the big leap. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. I like, I like that approach. I didn't really think about it that way. I like that. I did have a little question that a girlfriend of mine asked me about when we were, when I was talking about you. I think she's probably one of those people that you were saying that there's, you know, there can be some of those negative perceptions about the industry. You know, it might prevent a good client from actually asking someone for help and, and reaching out and, and getting a coach. What are a couple of things that you personally do not like about your industry that you would like to see changed that you uh-huh. feel would make it more closer to what you wish it was? I really believe that to say you're, coach, I believe you should have some training and coaching 
I wish that was the standard because I think it just confuses the water for everybody else. You know, you can be a consultant, you can be a strategist and give people advice and that, but don't call yourself a coach if all you're doing is giving people advice because it's much more of consulting what you're doing. And I think that's where we end up getting confused and expectations get mixed up because coaching really is at the like fundamentally about bringing out the best in that other person, not about you being the best expert. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. That's, so that's a really good, say that one more time <laughs> because that's really good point that I did not actually pick up on uh, again until you just said it again. Coaching is about bringing out the best in that other person, not about being the best expert yourself. Hmm. That's, that resonates. Yeah. Okay. I can see the difference. Okay, so more training, more official training, more formal training, whatever you want to call that, would be yeah. your preference. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just, I think, because there's a lot of powerful ways to serve people, and there's a lot of different models, techniques, tactics, and tools in coaching. And they exist because they're really effective, and they're powerful, and they help change people's lives. And I believe that as a coach, you should try and have as many of these in your tool belt as you can. Because you, you want to help people. You want to give people the best you can and help them change their lives and create the lives they want. I would just love to see that other people, other coaches just really have that drive and that passion to put these tools in their tool belts. That's what I really think. Yeah. Awesome. So lastly, um, cause this is kind of a, something I'm always interested in, <laughs> in knowing this, but when you get stuck or frustrated yourself personally, what do you do to get going again? Or what do you do for yourself to get unstuck that would be helpful for some of our listeners that maybe feel stuck? Maybe not associated with fear, but what are some little things that you do yourself that you've sort of learned that really help to get you out of that state where you're stuck or really frustrated and moving forward again? That's a great question. Definitely no amount of coach training has stopped me from having fear or from being frustrated sometimes. But one thing that it has taught me is to stop and take a pause, whether it's frustrating or like I'm not seeing the results that I thought I was seeing or I'm not meeting the expectations that I had for myself. I always stop and just ask myself, like, what's going on? I try and do a mix of both intellectual, what do I think is going on, and also doing a body scan, like what's going on in my body our bodies actually have a lot of intellect. This is something that I learned in my coach training as well. Our um, brain sends a ton of signals to each of our body parts. Move this finger, walk with that leg, point with that toe. But at the same time, each of our body parts are actually sending just as many messages back to our brain. And we don't always listen to them. We don't always even know how to interpret it. And so I've started learning to do a body scan and figure out what's going on. You know, maybe there's tension in my neck and maybe that means I've got too much going on and I'm overwhelmed. And what needs to happen now is I need to start saying no to a couple things and cross things off my to-do list so that I feel better. Or maybe in my gut, I'm feeling really nervous and anxious. And then I can figure out why that is. Do I need to do more research on this? Do I need to call up a friend or a coach who's going to pump me up and make me feel better? Do I need to play my favorite Katy Perry song and dance around the house and just let loose? But (laughs) (laughs) this is why, you know, it's this is really why I believe in coaching is because it's so personal and it changes all the time. And so my advice for anybody listening in those situations is to listen to yourself 
recognize yourself as your own best expert and ask yourself what's going on for me. Am I too tired? Am I too stressed? Have I got too much on the go? Am I not motivated because this actually doesn't matter to me at all? Am I just having a moment of doubt where I need to talk to someone who's going to pump me up? There's a million different reasons why we could be stuck or why we could be feeling fear. And it's about figuring out which one is it for you in this moment and what's going to work for you to break you free. Right. So just really almost training yourself to really sense or notice or be able to identify, maybe that's the better word, be able to actually identify what's going on with you and your emotions and your body, not just assuming everything's fine, assuming, but it's not fine, right? Because if you're frustrated and stuck or whatever, it's not fine. But instead of glossing it over, really, really get in tune and try to identify what's going on so you can address it basically instead of ignoring it is what it sounds like. Yeah. Or, or I want to, I love the, what you were used the word notice because sometimes I think there's a lot of judgment that happens too. It's like, you know, I'm just procrastinating today and I guess that just means I'm a procrastinator and I, I'm just not good enough. And so I love that you use the word notice because like notice or observe it, it, freeze up the judgment. It's like, wow, you know, I said I was going to do this today or this month or whatever, and I'm not doing it. And instead of putting a judgment and assuming I'm a bad person for it, like, what's that about? Getting curious. Like, what is going on here? What's missing? Why aren't I doing this? And again, not from a place of uh, wrist slap, bad me, but genuinely what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can be really honest with yourself and (laughs) and honest with what you're actually feeling, and then really do something with that instead of just sort of glossing it over, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Glossing it over or, or just coming down really hard on yourself for something that maybe doesn't need to be come down hard on. You know, maybe the reason why you're not doing something is because you're anxious about it. And maybe it's that you need one more phone call with someone, maybe someone you're doing a new project with. Maybe there's just one more question that's still lingering and that's what's holding you back from being able to fully commit. And so it's picking up that phone and having that conversation. Yeah. Or maybe just recognizing there's something you just don't want to do and you're really, you're still sort of making yourself do it or whatever, but you really don't want to do it. Or yeah, there's something you're telling yourself you want to do, but you really don't want to do it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, I, I fully agree with that too. You know, maybe it's something that you committed to someone a while ago or committed to, you know, and, and don't actually want to do or, or isn't the right thing for you anymore. And again, you know, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person and you're a procrastinator and you're all these terrible things. It may just mean that this isn't the right match for you. And that's why we got to listen to ourselves and trust that we actually know a lot of the time what's best for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really like, I'm going to, I'm going to try that for myself, try to notice things a little more. I really like that. Okay. So I believe you work by yourself, but you may have other coaches that you work with, but I feel like I have a much better sense of what you do and the people that you serve and help and how you might be able to help some of our listeners understand that they can have a friend that helps them make some of these really harder, more difficult transitions. But where do you want to take your company? Are you comfortable where you are? Like, what do you see in in your future with your company? For me, I want to help as many people as possible. I believe that there's amazing tools that I've learned that I work that work amazingly with my clients and that come from coaching that aren't necessarily disseminated and distributed in the wild 
big world. And for me, where I see my company going is by being able to reach more people through things like self-study courses and myself doing more public speaking and events. The next thing that I'm working on right now is actually a YouTube channel. I get a lot of questions from people asking me things like, hey, how, how do I change jobs and how do I get over the fear and how do I stop procrastinating? And I obviously don't have time to respond to everybody one-on-one. So what I've started doing is putting together videos. I'll answer the biggest questions that people have and that helps me reach a greater audience and, and help serve people without having to make the investment that working with a one-on-one coach is. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one of the first steps. And then also doing more self-study. Some of the things that I see people having the biggest challenges with is time management. So I'm going to be putting together a self-study course in taking back your time. Because I think our time ends up getting given to a lot of other people instead of us being able to hold on to it ourselves. So this course is going to be all about how to save all of your time for yourself and be in choice with it and work with time instead of against it. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Well, we'll look forward to that. And then if you don't mind telling us, you know, we'll put it in the show notes, of course, but if you could maybe, you know, let the listeners know how to reach you, maybe what your website is. And then if you have, you know, I think you have a free video that you sometimes offer to people. If you could talk a little bit about, you know, what that is, that might be the very first step they can do to maybe work with you or at least get started on their own next journey. Thanks for bringing that up. I have a free video and workbook series that I'd love to share with all your listeners. It is a workbook series for you to get your goals. So it's there to help you stop feeling overwhelmed with all your to-dos, help you gain momentum to make a change in your life today, help you finally have the time to do what you need to do to create success on your terms, and, and really just achieve the goals that you've maybe set before but never accomplished before. There's three videos and workbooks that really give people a great foundation. It's actually uh, a big part of what I do when I first start working with one-on-one clients. So you're getting access to some of that great content to really get you started and and going in the right direction to get success on your terms and, and get those goals you've never gotten before. Nice. And then, so then how can someone maybe work with you one-on-one? Do you have a a website? Is that sort of the best way for people to get in touch with you originally or? Yeah, I think the website is probably the best place. My website is www.lisamichaud.com and people can, you know, get in touch with me on there. I am also on Facebook, Lisa Michaud Coach. Uh, I have a page there that people can get in touch with and I'm on Instagram too. It's uh, at L-I underscore Michaud, M-I-C-H-A-U-D. And I, I love engaging with people, you know, The beautiful thing about working with people one-on-one is that it's super personal and high touch, but it also, there's only so many people that I can work with one-on-one. And so it's great that there's, you know, social media as a way to engage with more people. My YouTube channel will be another way to gain access to me and for me to engage with people like your listeners and learn more from them in a way that is fairly one-on-one. Awesome. That's great. Well, I think that's it for today. I think I really, really understand <laughs> what a, uh, a life coach slash success coach can do. And I wish I'd had one <laughs> 20 years ago, 25 <laughs> years ago, uh, instead of trying to do it on my own. So I highly recommend that if our listeners are listening and really struggling that they get one or, or contact Lisa and she can help you get over some of those bigger hurdles. So thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Camille. and. 
I, I just love everything you're doing with helping people through transitions and remodeling. Like you were just the expert on this on so many levels. And so I know all your listeners are so lucky to have you and your show. And I'm honored to have been a part of it. Thank you so much. listening to remodel your life i sure have enjoyed being with you today and if you really like our show we'd love it if you would subscribe through itunes you can always send us feedback through email at camille at remodelyourlifepodcast.com and i'll see you next week thank you for listening to the remodel your life podcast This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to RemodelYourLifePodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. Coaching is about bringing out the best in that other person, not about being the best expert yourself. Mm, that's, that resonates. Yeah. Okay. I can see the difference.